being being able to go over there and to see these people worship, uh, it was very uh, moving for me, which I'm usually not very emotional. <laughs> so, um, but I, I pray that um, our our goal is to uh, return there and uh, take uh, several of you with us, because I know that um, until you meet these people face to face and you see the work that's going on, um, you can't really understand it. And uh, we're looking we're, we're looking forward to that. So, Sam, come on up and uh, reading my emotions here. Good morning. It's um, good to be back. Uh, First of all, thank you all for praying for us. We praise God that uh, all four of us stayed, um, you know, safe and healthy in spite of all the travel and changes in the diet and um, the environment. We were literally traveling every three days. So thank you so much for your prayers and lifting us up. Um, You know, God was so gracious to us. And when we were singing that first song, I was reminded that he was a mighty fortress and he kept us you know, safe throughout our two weeks of travel. So we definitely praise God for that. So I'm, I'm just going to give an f- overview of the places and the people we met, and then Stephen Ambika will share about uh, some of their experiences. <clears throat> so um, just starting a little bit with background and why we wanted to go on this trip, um, I, I had put together a proposal a couple of years ago uh, for this trip, and I just pulled the document up the other day. Um, you know, we wanted to basically uh, start with just creating an awareness of the global body of Christ and uh, widen a view of, you know, how God is working across the world, which we know he is. And um, those of you who follow missions know that, you know, world missions is changing. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of countries are now closed to Western missionaries going over there. Um, even India, though it is a secular country, Um, and we have freedom of religion, they are very careful about foreigners coming into the country. So I don't know if you know this, but, you know, both of them had to sign a waiver that they will not do any public preaching. When they applied for the visa at the consulate here, they picked up on the fact that they work for a church, and um, they said, okay, you can go as long as you don't preach um, publicly, So, which which, which they never did. Well, maybe you did. (laughs) But, 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 yeah. Yeah. so, you know, countries are closed uh, to Western missionaries, and uh, the great part is Western missionaries, as you will see in our presentation today, have in the past, in the last, you know, 50, 100 years, done a great job. They have laid a foundation. Um, even in India, you will see today, and um, whether it is planting churches, training local pastors and, you know, ministries, and then they have handed over to the local ministries and the local people to, to lead, lead the church there, and God has immensely blessed the work. And um, uh, national missionaries and national ministries, um, you know, there are several advantages. They are cost-effective. They don't have cultural barriers. They don't have to learn the language. Um, uh, They don't have economic barriers. They live just like the people they minister to for the most part. So there are a lot of advantages. So really, um, the key is to partner partner with like-minded, you know, local churches and ministries and and build long-term relationships. Uh, So that's really the focus. And there's a great book, um, uh, you can see a screenshot there, Come Reach the World by K.P. Yohannan, where he talks about um, the need for churches in the West to partner with you know, local ministries and other parts of the world. And you can download it from their website. It's free. I can give you the information, but I highly recommend the book. So very quickly, um, not going through all the bullets here, you know, India is one of the largest countries in the world. We are soon going to cross China because China has restrictions on how many kids you have, and India doesn't. So 
Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of languages, very religious people, a lot of religions, a lot of the world's religions came out of India. And as even they found, you can start a conversation about faith with pretty much anyone. Oh. Unlike here, no one is going to necessarily get offended with you. Um, the very religious people, as we landed in Delhi and drove around, you can see temples and uh, Sikh temples and Hindu temples all over the place, a few churches. Um, but people are religious. But the fact is, less than about 3% of the population, at least what the government reports, is, is Christian. So there is a lot of work to be done and a lot of people to be reached. So very quick overview of our trip. Um, the picture there in the middle is the only picture we got of, you know, Micah, me, and Stephen Abik on the way back. Someone took a picture in Dubai Airport. Um, but, uh, you know, he was great for those of you wondering. You know, he stayed healthy, and he did a great job with us on the trip. And on the right side, you see my dad. He graciously agreed to travel with us for the 10 days we were going around India um, to babysit Micah mostly so I could spend time with, you know, Stephen Ambika and go to the meetings and things like that. So we, we thank my dad for doing that. Um, so just a quick overview of our schedule. Um, as you know, they were initially scheduled to go to Thailand and meet with some of the churches, our churches, missionaries in Thailand, but due to the unrest there at the very last minute, just a few weeks before, they had to change the plans up, and um, what worked out best was them to you know, go to Dubai, where they were supposed to transit, and park there for a couple of days, which they did, and while they were there, they were able to connect with um, a church, which they were, Steve will talk about, Redeemer Church, and the pastor of that church happened to have been born in Redwood City. I mean, what are the chances? So uh, they went to that worship service. They met up with the pastor, and they will talk more about it later. And then on the 18th of February, all of us flew into Delhi. Micah and I traveled separately from here, but we all flew into Delhi. And Delhi, we focused on meeting some uh, urban pastors, so basically pastors who minister in a large city kind of context. Uh, you know, we know several of them. We were only able to meet three of them and get a flavor of how they do ministry there. And then over the weekend, we spent uh, four days in Dehradun, where um, New Life Center is situated, their headquarters. And the, there are two pictures of two kids out there that our church supports, two orphans. They belong to this children's home, and we'll talk about that. So the focus there was on understanding how uh, local churches are doing church planting, evangelism, and, of course, children's ministries in a more of a rural and a small-town context. Um, and then finally, uh, the last two events there, um, we went to a, a Christian hospital. Um, this is medical missions, essentially. Uh, my brother works there, and we'll talk a little bit about that, how God is using Christian doctors and nurses and um, you know, people in medical missions to, to, to preach the gospel, not just heal the sick. And then finally, uh, Chennai was our um, you know, gateway out of, back out of India, where uh, they were able to meet Pastor Danny Raji. They have been um, mentoring him and helping him over Skype and uh, you know, Facebook and whatnot. So it was great to, to meet with him, meet with him in, in person. So you know, it was over 10 days of action-packed um, time in India. We were on, I was counting, eight different flights. We did, I think, 22,000 miles. And um, we were on the longest flight out of SFO. From here to Dubai, it's about 16 hours. And... Uh, you know, I survived 40 hours on a plane with a four-year-old, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. All right, so let's start in Delhi. Um, so Delhi was our uh, entry into India. It's the capital of the country, and the, my Punita's parents who are here, they live there. 
Um, and uh, the metropolitan area has about 22 million people, so it's in the top you know, 10 uh, cities in the world as, uh, by population. And like I said, everywhere you see there are temples and uh, Sikh temples and Hindu temples and you know, religious shrines, a very big city. Um, they will talk about the crazy traffic that they saw there. So our, our first meeting uh, in Delhi was uh, with um, a church called Delhi Bible Fellowship. It, it was a, it's a network of about 20 churches. It started about 45 years ago in a Canadian missionary's living room. Um, and now we have about over 20 churches, and Punita's parents actually attend one of the uh, congregations in the western part of Delhi. And... Um, this is, this is the church that Punita and I were part of before we left India. A lot has changed, and each, each congregation sort of independently operates as well as, as a whole. They, they operate together as well. Um, the particular uh, location we went to was within about 10 minutes walking distance of our hotel. Um, so that's the first time we walked through you know, a little bit of a crazy street in India um, in the morning. And... Um, this is in central Delhi. It's a very um, difficult spot for a church to, to get land, but we heard the story of how many years ago, you know, through a series of miracles, God worked out a way for the church to get land here. And um, the, I don't know if you can see the details there, but the hall there, uh, it's probably a third of this building about, I would say, or maybe just, yeah, yeah. And they have about 700 people who come through on, an, on a weekend there. They have four services, one in Hindi and three in English. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the case when you know, we last left there. And uh, their pastor, he and I actually went to high school together. He was one year my senior, so I, I know him well. And uh, their, their mission or goal is to reach you know, 1% of Delhi in their lifetime, which is 200 million people, uh, 200,000 people, sorry. Uh, 20 million is the, is the population. So it was interesting to hear about their, their perspective of ministry, you know, very different, um, uh, some interesting ideas, but, uh, you know, definitely they want to get out there and reach the world. Um, they talked about their, one of their slum ministries. They reached out to people in a slum that no one cared about, and uh, it has led to a small church being started in the slum as, as people, you know, came to know the Lord. So that was interesting to hear about as well. And uh, we met at least one, one girl uh, who was uh, in Punita's Sunday school class, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Was, I didn't recognize her, but, you know, she actually now works, works in, in the church office. So that was our first meeting, and Pastor Jeremy very graciously showed us around the facility. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a small facility, but, you know, they, they put maximum use to it, and they're able to do a lot with what, 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 they, what they have. Um, our second meeting in Delhi was uh, with a young pastor uh, called uh, Ranjit David, and um, uh, he has an interesting story. He is, uh, 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 you know, he's a son of uh, someone who is in ministry in India, and he got a scholarship uh, to get an engineering degree in Auburn University. So he's a smart guy, and unfortunately in India, at least when we were growing up, you know, if you couldn't do anything else, you would get into ministry, and that's not the story with him. You know, he... He's a smart guy. Um, he, he, he's an engineer. But when they were here in, in, in the U.S., he sensed a call of God to go back to India and, you know, minister there. So he went back after his master's to India and joined a ministry. And after a few years, he got a full scholarship to come to Dallas Theological Seminary and get his um, THM 
So they spent about four or five years in the Dallas area, he and his wife, they have two kids. And um, he is now pastoring a, a church in Delhi, and he is soon going to become Punita's parents' pastor. Their pastor is going to move on, and I think I understood he's going to start a new Hindi church. So this young pastor is going to you know, take on um, Punita's uh, parents' church. So he was a very humble guy. It was great to hear about his vision for uh, you know, starting, uh, starting at this new church and the things he wants to do and, um, and just the, the clear call that he had. You know, you won't, many of the people we met, the theme that we picked up was, you know, it's not a vocation, it's a calling. They wouldn't be doing this um, unless they had a clear calling. So it was very encouraging to meet him. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to get reports about him and his ministry uh, once, once uh, Punita's parents get back. So our next meeting in Delhi uh, happened to be in Starbucks um, <laughs> in central Delhi. Um, it looks, you know, just like most Starbucks anywhere in the world, I guess. And uh, this pastor, his name is uh, Pastor Theo Shimre, and uh, he is actually Andrew's friend. Andrew, Andrew, thank you for introducing us. Andrew introduced me over email a um, year and a half ago, and um, he has a very interesting story. We, we could spend just a little bit of time with him, but... He came here to the U.S., and uh, some churches sponsored uh, him to attend um, a Bible school here. He went to Grace School of Theology in Pleasant Hill. And his brother also came here and went to Cornerstone Seminary and just finished uh, just recently, I believe. And both of them are from the northeastern part of India, and um, their ministry is uh, mostly focused on peoples of their part of the country in the northeast, and also people in Nepal. Nepal is a neighboring country. And also Myanmar, Burma, which is a restricted nation. And, you know, you can't freely go in there as a missionary. But one of the things they do, they have started, they've planted a couple of churches in Delhi. And they also started um, Grace Institute of Theology and Seminary. And it's a small school. And they get uh, professors from Coniston Seminary here in the Bay Area and the North Bay to come down there and, you know, teach the guys. And... Uh, it was amazing to hear. They have 16 pastors living in their home right now. It must be a big home, hopefully. <laughs> but they have 16 pastors in their home. Their landlord is very supportive of it. But obviously, some of their neighbors are not very happy about it. So he was sharing about some of the concerns they have. Um, and some of these men come from Burma. And, uh, you know, basically, they come over the border. It's an open border. It's at risk to their lives and the risk of, you know, these guys. And they come to India, they get trained as pastors, and then they go back into Burma. So they are, that's one way they're able to uh, send, you know, missionaries into Burma by training these young guys. So they are doing a great work. Um, and uh, Andrew, he, he remembered your friendship and the rights that you gave him and things like that. So thank you for connecting us with, uh, with Theo. And I have a, we have a booklet that he gave us about, his, uh, about the, uh, the seminary they have started. If anyone is interested, I'm happy to share that with you. Okay, so that was our time in Delhi. And um, Steve and Ambika were able to go out with a family friend of ours who worked with uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship for many years in India. They were able to go to Agra and see the Taj, and they'll probably share about that when they talk. Um, but once we were done with those two days... Um, we traveled to Dehradun, which was our focus of our next part of the visit. Dehradun is um, in the foothills of the Himalayas, so you can see some of the mountains there. And uh, uh, that's, that's all of us, my dad and the rest of us on, 
on the plane, and uh, it's a small little airport in Dehradun. I've never seen it before. You get off the plane and you walk to the terminal, and uh, it's an interesting experience. Um, so our, our main purpose of going to Dehradun was to visit the folks at uh, New Life Center. Those of you who remember Brian and Lena Finnan, they were here, I believe, last February, exactly a year ago, and um, they talked about this ministry. So I'll just give a quick background on the ministry and what we did there. So um, Pastor Emmanuel Raj and his wife, Bula Raj, they started this ministry in the 1970s. They moved from South India, which has a larger Christian population, to North India, which has a very small Christian population. And, uh, you know, the first, one of the first things he told Steve is, I'm a missionary like you. I had to learn the language. He spent three years learning the language before he could do any ministry because the languages in India are so different as you travel across the breadth of the country. So anyway, so they came from South India to North India about, uh, you know, 40 years ago. And really their vision was to, uh, you know, see the kingdom of God established in, in specifically in North India. And, um, you know, one of the things right away that, uh, that uh, Mrs. Raj, she had a heart for was children's ministry. She saw, she saw the need for, um, you know, ch- children's ministries, children who were abandoned and didn't have, you know, homes and things like that. So they started a children's home. And what came out of that was um, it's difficult for, you know, often for evangelists to go into villages and share the gospel, but through these children... Uh, the children became a gateway and a bridge to go into the villages because they took good care of these kids. So, uh, so the ministry has two sides to it. You have the evangelism and church planting, which I'll show a few pictures. And then you have the children's ministry, the residential homes and the schools and the two girls that, you know, we have a picture back there live in one of these homes. So uh, here are some pictures. They have about, you know, 15 church planters. They have 16 churches. They have a number of house churches. Um, some pictures of their churches. We were actually in, in the church on the left, that big building. It's part of their school. Um, that's one of the bigger churches. Um, they have uh, six schools. Um, these are educational schools, about 1,200 uh, kids. And then they have the main home in Dehradun where we visited, where Pooja and Ranjana live. We'll, we'll share about them in a minute. Um, so one thing about the ministry I wanted to share was that, you know, the gospel is central to all that they do. So the kids that live in these homes, they don't just hear the gospel. You know, the gospel is lived out for them because they are, we heard many of them are abandoned by their parents or are orphans or are abused by their, their family and relatives. So they are taken in, they are taken, you know, care of, uh, they are educated, they are fed, they are clothed, they, they live there on campus. And um, until they're able to stand on their own feet. So not just schooling, but helping them get vocational training once they finish school. Um, and also, in some cases, you know, getting them jobs and things like that. So they kind of see them through that whole, whole process. Um, and uh, the ministry has had a lot of issue, challenges in the last um, few years. Uh, the biggest being that um, they used to have a few big donors in Europe. Uh, There was a big donor agency in the Netherlands that took care of most of their funding. And as that agency in the last few years has had changes internally, they no longer wanted to support ministries uh, such as them uh, where the gospel is central. So they said, we'll continue to support you guys as long as you don't do evangelism, as long as you... Uh, you know, don't do all this Bible stuff with the kids. And they said, you know what, we can't do it. That's why we exist. So 
the agency very abruptly cut off their funding. Um, they said we'll do it in 2015, but at short two months' notice, they just pulled all their funding. So it's been a challenge for them, and um, you know they've kind of simplified how they do things. And we saw the kids, they just get rice and lentils for most of their meals. It's very basic. Um, so their model really moving forward, it's been the last year or so, but also now is to move from the large, donor, large donors to you know, family-based support and churches in the U.S. and um, Canada and other places. So there are several churches in the U.S. There's a big church in um, Alabama who sponsors a number of the kids, churches in Canada who sponsors the kids. Um, and, and that's really the model that they're moving towards, you know, connecting with individual churches. Um, as far as the sponsorship, you know, they, it, it takes about $50 to, you know, provide a child uh, food, clothing, a place to stay, education, health care. And like I said, after grade 12, they try to help them with vocational training, seminary, and things like that as well. Okay. So... On our first day there, you know, we traveled there. We met with the founders. Um, here is a picture of uh, Helena Singh. She's actually the founder's daughter and her two sons, uh, Sunny and Danny. So she, is, uh, she leads up the ministry as far as the children's home, and her dad is sort of the senior pastor who takes care of the church, church side of things. Um, the first day, we were able to do a campus tour, and I'm just going to show a couple of pictures. We went to the dorms where the, where the kids live, um, and uh, you can see some of the younger kids on the right side there and uh, slightly older kids on the left. And I think it was hard for us all to see their, their um, you know, very basic conditions. Um, um, and they'll probably, Stephen and Bika will share more about it, but I was reminding them that this is way better than they would ever have if they were wherever they were back home, if you can call it a home. So the kids looked very happy. Um, they were very friendly kids. They had a smile on their faces uh, wherever we saw them, but uh, definitely it's very you know, basic, uh, basic uh, conditions. Uh, this is a picture with some of the older sort of high school age boys, their dorm. We went in there and saw, said hello to them. Uh, this is a picture uh, with uh, Pooja and Ranjana, the two kids that a couple of families here and the Sunday school kids in the church are supporting. Uh, they were really sweet kids. It's, it's very different when you see them face to face than just a picture. They're really sweet kids, especially uh, the younger girl, Pooja, is on the, on the left side there. Um, you know, she was in and out of the house that we were staying, and uh, it was great to meet with them. And I, I heard after we got back that they, you know, loved meeting Stephen and Bika, and they see them as their family, and uh, they really uh, were uh, touched by the time and effort that they took to come and see them. Uh, this is a picture of Abika with uh, the girls. I believe this was their Bible study, their prayer time at night. Okay, so she wanted to meet with them, and they got together, and you can see they all have their Bibles, and she'll share about that a little bit. So that was day one. Day two, um, the men and the women met separately. Um, the men, uh, we had uh, talked to them over email several times about gathering their 16 churches, gathering some of their pastors together. So about 20 of their pastors and what they call teaching elders um, came together, and some had traveled you know, long distances to get there. Uh, and the theme that they had they had decided on their own was coming apart from Mark 6:31, because all of these people are in ministry, but it was a time for them as men to come and just uh, you know relax and be 
you know, edified and strengthened by the teaching of the word. So um, I asked them after we left to send me a list of the attendees, uh, but they sent me just not just the names, but where they came from, their ages. I don't know why they did that, but I don't know if you can see it, but everywhere from, you know, 40s to, uh, you know, Pastor Raj, who's a senior pastor, is 81, and he's going strong. Um, the, the day Steve preached, the next day at one congregation, he went and spoke at the other church. So he's going strong. And, um, you know, these guys, they speak different languages. Some, most of them have some basic uh, you know, seminary kind of training, not all of them. Uh, but all of them are, uh, you know, full-time involved in ministry. Um, this was our schedule for the day. Uh, initially, they very casually told us, oh, 10 to 3, we'll have a few meetings. Steve prepared a few messages. And uh, people think very differently there. If I've been, like, hounding them for six months to give us a schedule, and they're like, just get here, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and, you know, two days before we get there, they figured it out. And they were well-organized, and um, it started at 9, and we finished up, I think, around 4.35. And... Um, you know, we started the day with worship and devotion time, and then we introduced Steve, and then we had four sessions uh, with a lunch break in between, and uh, it was just a great time of uh, listening to some t- good teaching. So the first, um, first session, um, you know, Steve taught from Joshua about servant leadership, and one of their senior pastors told me it was a very appropriate subject for the men to hear about. Um, and then the next session, he, he emphasized the importance of preaching the word in and out of season from Second Timothy 4. Uh, the session after lunch was from Titus. And then the last session, Steve shared up from Romans 1, 8 to 12, where Paul talks about longing to go to Rome and, and seeing the believers there. And he used that passage, you know, to thank God for the men that we met when we were there in Dehradun. And uh, we thanked God for the mutual encouragement it was, not just for them to hear the teaching and to, to you know, meet, meet us, but also the, the way that we were immensely blessed. And I know Steve was blessed by meeting these guys. Um, one of the sessions, we had a short uh, Q&A time, and these guys had great questions. Um, you know, Steve said, what are your needs? And uh, no one mentioned financial needs, even though they have those needs. Um, they just talked about, oh, we don't have enough you know, tracts when we go and, you know, go to these small villages and evangelize. Or they talked about, um, you know, Steve talked about expository teaching and how he took five years to teach through Matthew. So one guy asked, um, if we spend five years in one book, how am I supposed to cover the whole Bible in my lifetime? If, if we are called to teach, you know, from beginning to end. So good questions, good questions. Um, you know, things to do with uh, managing a church and, um things like that. But they never talked about their own financial needs. And what we heard is many of these pastors, um, uh, there's a range, but on average, they need about $150 a month to, uh, you know, to, to take care of their needs. And on average, they get about $75 to $90 a month. Um, and they are centrally supported by New Life Center for the most part, because many of their congregations, um, the people just can't afford to give much more or the people have to decide, do I tithe or do I pay my bus fare to get to church? And, that's, and they prefer that people get to church and not worry about, you know, giving if it need be. So uh, we said, how do they manage? Steve asked them, and they said, they just manage with what we give them. So that's definitely a need, but they never mentioned it to us um, during our interaction with them. So I want to play a very short clip. Hopefully this will play of uh, Steve um, in one of the sessions. 
कि हम वचन प्रचार करने की तैयारी के लिए समय नहीं दे रहे तो वी आर नॉट फिट टू प्रीच हम हम योग्य नहीं कि हम ऐसा काम करें वी हैव नो बिजनेस इन द मिनिस्ट्री एट ऑल और सेवा के अंदर फिर हमारे पास कोई कार्य नहीं रह जाता है नाउ यू मे बी सेइंग वेल जस्ट बिकॉज़ यू आर प्रीचर यू आर सेइंग दैट आप हो सकता है ऐसा कहेंगे भाई आप तो प्रचारक हैं तो आप ऐसा कहेंगे मैं इसलिए कह रहा हूं क्योंकि परमेश्वर का वचन ही ऐसा कह रहा है एंड सो इट्स इंपॉर्टेंट टू रियलाइज दैट Paul told Timothy to preach the word. Okay, I don't know what happened there, but <laughs> you get the message. And and the guys who translated did an awesome job. I can understand Hindi, so it was it was really great hearing the message from in two languages that I understand. All right. So um there is a picture of, you know, the little building that we met in and uh, that's on the top right in the red sweater, that's Pastor Raj who's their senior pastor and then Steve, you know, greeting the folks on the way out. Uh, at the same time, the similar schedule. The ladies were meeting um, in 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 the school area, about thirty thirty women or so, yeah, about thirty thirty five women or so. And uh, their theme for the day was worship. And Helena and her mom both took turns translating uh, for Ambika. So th- they both obviously spoke in English, and uh, they had translators who 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 translated in Hindi. And uh, Ambika will share more about these meetings. um the next day we attended their sunday morning service they had about 200 people in attendance uh, mostly the kids from the home uh, i believe the kids all have to attend so they were all there and uh, you know steve mentioned it was a wonderful time of uh, worship uh, you know they spent about an hour worshiping and um, i soon realized they really didn't have seem to have a plan for what they were going to do because the pastor would be whispering to Danny who is a 17 year old leading worship and they were coming up with songs on the fly and but it was all very orderly and they were reading scripture and then singing you know a few songs and then after a while and if you notice the men and the women sit separately so the men are on the left and the women are on the right um and then after a while you know some of the men and boys on the left took turns reading scripture and uh, praying and then some of the girls did it and there were there were no cues they just you know did it it seemed very orderly and the worship like steve said was uh, was you know very uplifting and very emotional and um unfortunately i i didn't have time to to get a video clip um and then you know steve shared a message and then we had a time of communion at the very end so steve's message was very timely the, the day before we had heard about how you know many of these kids uh, are abandoned don't have or orphaned um some with parents are abused and um you know many of them have a very difficult background and his message was from um genesis 37 uh he shared about the life of joseph how joseph was sold into slavery by his by his brothers and how even in though in the book of in the in the chapter 37 in genesis there is no mention of god god was sovereign and uh, we don't see god in that chapter but god had a plan for why joseph went into captivity and we don't see that till the very end so you know steve encouraged the kids to 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 focus on you know god's sovereignty and remember that there's a purpose for everything that has happened and is happening in their lives and gave them sort of hope through that message it was a, it was a, it was a very appropriate message given what we had heard about the kids and i have a video clip here which may again not play okay but you can at least hear what what uh, steve is uh, teaching in this short clip yadi parameshwar sab kuch uske niyantran mein hai why am i at the pits 
तो मैं क्यों इस गड्ढे में हूं आई थिंक इट्स इम्पॉसिबल टू लिव इन दिस वर्ल्ड ये बहुत कठिन है कि संसार में जीना और यह नहीं कि किसी ने पाप किया वो हम हमसे और एक छोटे बच्चे होने के नाते हो सकता है गालियों के द्वारा और ऐसे गंदे कामों के द्वारा हमारे ऊपर अत्याचार हुए हो और कई लोग किसी के द्वारा किसी को चोट पहुंचाई है किसी ना किसी रूप में हो सकता है जो शादीशुदा वाले व्यक्ति हो अपने पत्नी से उन्होंने चोट खाई हो Maybe your children have rebelled. हो सकता है आपके बच्चे आपके इच्छा के विरुद्ध में गए हो क्योंकि वो आपके ऊपर निर्भर थे Most of us maybe have been victims of crime. When you've been wounded by someone else's sin, maybe you've asked the question, where is God in all this? Is God is all powerful and loving? यदि परमेश्वर सर्वशक्तिमान है और वो प्यार करने वाला परमेश्वर है Okay. <clears throat> It was really cold in there. My hands were shaking, as you can tell. <laughs> There's no heating. Anyway, so that was uh, the the morning service that uh, Steve spoke at, and um, uh, you know, I, I was definitely blessed by it. And I, I heard like some of the other people who were there also were blessed by it. Um, that same evening, Sunday evening, um, they were able to go to. Uh, Nepali fellowship Nepali Nepal is a neighboring country a lot of people from Nepal live in this area and they have a um evening service there with the Nepali people I was not able to go to this one but uh, you know Helena took them and uh, Steve's message was about task for the local church from Acts and Second Samuel and uh, they they had a great time of worshiping and ministering there in word as well This was on their way to this place it was a little bit out of town and uh, there are more pictures where they encountered cows and what not but <laughs> okay so um the next day we went to uh, about you know about an hour and a half from deradoon there is a hospital called herbertpur christian hospital um it's part of a network of christian hospitals in india and this particular hospital was started by a british missionary um dr layman in 1936 and he came to india um He was an engineer by profession he came to india and when he saw the medical needs that people had he went back to to get a medical degree and became a doctor and then came back set up this hospital and uh, he and his wife both died right there on campus so we, you can see their graves on campus they never left um um and this is in a very rural area close to deradoon about 6 hours from delhi and there you know key verse or theme is really from Luke 2:9 uh, to you know two things to preach the kingdom of god and to heal the sick and that that's what they focus on um my brother is the medical director there it's so all the medical services he leads up and he gave he gave us a you know great presentation and a tour of the facility and really just very quickly 
they're able to do a lot in the, in the small place that they are at. Um, they offer medical services. They also do you know, community health and other kind of initiatives and a lot of training, nursing training and other things. And I have a full deck if anyone is interested. So they have about 200 staff. They, they've seen 100,000 patients in the, in the last year, you know, over 3,000 surgeries. They've had over 1,200 babies born there. Um, it's a full-fledged little hospital there. So here are some pictures, a uh, place we visited. This is um, actually their ICU. We were able to walk in there. Sorry, their emergency. We were, we were able to walk in there freely. And um, they do have medical people from all over the world, the U.S., U.K., Australia, who come and do internships there. So those of you in the medical field um, who are either in the medical field or want to get into the medical field, you know, it's a great place to go and spend some time there and get involved in medical missions. Uh, this was their ICU. We, we again walked right in, um, and we saw the place. Very basic, but, you know, they're able to take care of these patients. Their operation theater, we were not able to go in there, obviously. And um, that's my brother. He, he was giving us the tour, and uh, he looks like me, except he has hair. And, uh, and he, um, he was gracious to take us around and show us the facility. Um, this, this picture here on the left side, it's their main waiting area in the courtyard of their hospital. So it was Monday morning when we took this picture. You know, patients come in and they, they figure out which doctor they have to see, and the doctors are sitting in this courtyard in, in this sort of circle around this main courtyard. And several times a week, um, one of the pastors who had been there at the pastor's training on Saturday, Pastor Benjamin, he's the, he's the person on the top right that Steve is praying with, He's an evangelist. He comes to this courtyard, and while patients are waiting for their turn, he preaches the gospel there. And uh, what are they going to do? They're just waiting, right? So they listen, and he asks them, hey, you know, do you guys want a Bible? And that particular morning, he handed out 30 Gideon's Bibles to these, to these people who are waiting. And all of these are poor people with, from villages, um, farmers, farming community. They, they are willing to listen and, um, you know, receive the Bibles. And one of the guys we met, I just wanted to quickly share... Um, we met him when we did the tour, and I met him later that evening as well. He's a Sikh convert from the Sikh religion, and uh, he works in this hospital as a physiotherapist. And um, he does physiotherapy, and, you know, patients are on his bed for 20, 30 minutes, an hour. So he takes the time to explain to them physical wellness is important, but ultimately your spiritual wellness is more important. So he preaches the gospel to them. And um, so he works 9 to 5 at the hospital, and my brother was telling me that after 6 p.m., his real work starts. He has a church of about 60 people that he just has preached to, and they've come to know the Lord, and uh, he has a house church now. And now the church was getting so big in his house, they had to ask him to you know, leave the campus and find a place. But it was just very encouraging and inspiring to hear and you know, meet people like that whose ministry doesn't begin and end at any particular time of day. Um, so, yeah, he, he was a good example of someone we met there. This is a picture of, uh, we didn't see this picture, but uh, this, this, uh, these kids, but they have their VBS and things like that. And at the bottom, it's my, the, we have a picture of my niece and uh, Mikey, the Micah, they were going to Awana that morning, so they have Awana, even in the small town. Uh, it's in Hindi, so Micah probably slept through most of it. <laughs> but we took his little Awana jacket, Cubby's jacket, and he had a, he had a good time uh, with, with them as well. Okay, so our last stop here uh, was uh, in Chennai, in southern India. It's at the bottom of that map. Uh, and Pastor Danny Raji, he is a recent uh, 
uh, graduate of the uh, pastoral training seminary in Goa, and uh, which is uh, associated with the Master's Academy in LA. And uh, um, he he is pastoring a new church in uh, Shillong, in the Northeast. And he was able to come down to Chennai and uh, meet with us. It was hard for us to go there and meet with you know Stephen Ambika and spend time. And they have been mentoring him over Skype. Ambika has been doing you know Bible study for some of the ladies in his small church over Skype, so it was good for them to meet face to face and uh, get to know him a little bit better. So that's our quick overview. And Ambika, will you be coming up next? Well, everyone from the home send their greetings to all of you, and I believe this is what they say: Jai Mashike, glory to God. So they wanted me to share that with each of you. The first day, the picture with Steve and I um, and Ranjana, I, no, that's Pooja on the, is that the left, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was the first night um, when we got there, we met Pooja. And she was um, in the kitchen. And... Um, she came out and she said, hello, auntie, hello, uncle. <laughs> it was so hard to see, you know, that finally we met these children. And she was such a happy little girl. And it's like this baby who just wants to cling to you. And her hug was just, a, you know, it was a hug of true love that she met us, the people who she only knew by letter. And um, Ranjana is the other one, but that picture was taken a few days after. She was very reserved. I think she didn't trust. Um, She didn't know if we really loved her. And um, I'll share a little bit more as we get her picture. And excuse me for being emotional. It's just very hard. That's Helena. She, her parents are the ones who founded um, New Life Center. And her husband, um, her husband died when her kids were young. I believe he was hmm? nine years ago. And I believe he was coming back from a trip and it was fog. And someone hit him head on. And I believe when they took him to the hospital, he died immediately. So she has been a single mom for a long time, but such a neat woman in Christ. Very nice woman. We um, thought about having a dinner for the girls. And actually, there was like 475 or 500 kids on campus, I believe, when we were there. But we um, ask if we can do a dinner for the ho- all the children in the school, in the orphanage, because they all stayed at the dorm. And um, so <laughs> that night I said to Helena, I says, oh, when are you doing the dinner for the kids? And she says, oh, tonight. I says, oh, we want to eat with them. We, you know, and she says, you do? And I says, yes. Yeah. So we, she c- let them know we went over to the uh, place where they eat. And there was this table all set up for me and Steve and Helena. And I says, no, this is not going to work for me. I want to sit with the kids. So I went over, and she was very moved that, you know, we didn't uh, separate ourselves. 
we interacted, we built relationships. And it was so much fun being with these young girls. And Steve got a lot of um, nephews and nieces. <laughs> Everyone call him uncle. <laughs> but, um, you know, the touching thing about this, and like Sam said, the first day we taught the building, we, stand, we were standing there, and Helena was saying, the children are going for their lunch now. And the, the girls, there were about 10, maybe 10 girls, and they lined up. And right before they got their meal, they started singing to God, be the, and um, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And they st- started singing that, and then we asked, what are they eating? And she says, oh, this is what they eat every day, rice and lentil peas. <laughs> I think the three of us, we couldn't say anything. It was, here we just finished eating a, a great lunch. And this is what these kids have to eat. And it's not because of, um, you know, they don't want to give them. It's because of the funding that was cut off. And like Sam had to explain to us, you know, it's better for them to be here than to be anywhere else. Um, These are the children. They were having a fun time. And um, just lovely children, very neat girls. Um, They all came from different backgrounds. But there is um, the time I met with them. If if we can get that picture. Mm -hmm. Steve is having an time with them. They just were really cool kids. I, I know most of their names, and they shared so much. <clears throat> this young girl, Shishka, she's 14. And I had a night, um, I had an evening spent with them, and Shishka came out from a radical Muslim family. And as I, each of them shared with me their life, their names, because I am a relational person. I didn't go there just for Ranjana and Puja. I, I went there for all the girls. I wanted to know about them. And um, I happened to pick Shishka out of the group. And I said to her, I says, tell me about yourself. So she says, Auntie, I came from a Muslim family. And I says, really? And I says, are you saved? And she said, yes, I came here and I came to know about God. I came to know who Jesus Christ is. And so she sh- I asked, can you share your testimony? So she shared her testimony with me. And the reason I asked them to sh- some of them to share the testimony, I wanted to find out if they really understood, you know, because they are in a Christian area um, surrounding. So... Um, she talked, and then I said to her, I looked at her, and I said, are you fearful for your life? Because she says her mother hits her when she finds the Bible or find her reading it. And she, and she started crying, and she says, Auntie, I don't care what they do with my life. They can destroy it. I just want them to be saved. And you look at this girl who is probably 13 or 14 years old. And all she cared was her family be saved. She didn't care if they kill her. 
She didn't get anything. And I, I think about us in America, we do not have a clue what persecution is. You have 12, 13-year-old girls, 9-year-old, even boys, and the persecution they're going through. And we have no clue. We have it so good. Pragya, she is one of the worship leaders, and she's going to go to Bible school. And I know um, Sam is talking about maybe helping her, and a young man named Arun. Is it Arun or Arjun? Arjun? is going to try to see. But she said to Steve and I, she says, Uncle and Andy, I want to come to America. I want to come to your church and do worship. I want to do ministry. So we're praying for her that whatever God has planned for her, it will come. And these are all the girls just meeting with them, getting to know them and getting to know about their life. There are many of them who are Hindus, who came out from a Hindu family, and they have to hide and read their Bibles because their parents will beat them. And that's the word they use, beat them. But it's just wonderful to hear their testimonies and to hear how, what it is that they found out when they came to this building, to this place, what God has done for them and how they found out who Jesus Christ is. They found out that there's a big difference between the Hinduism, and then I shared my testimony coming out from a Hindu family, a strong Hindu family. So that really made an impact on them that, wow, here she is, she's Hindu, and she's not even from our country, and now she's a Christian. Um, this is their worship, and we'll play it for you that night when... so moving. I think Steve and I, we, uh, it was an emotional wreck from the time we landed until we left, but it was good emotions. It was just God showing us something different. 
you know, we, we were discussing. We were really not mission-minded people, but God wanted to do something in our, he wants to do something different. And he had to take us to India to see the difference. And I will say we will never be the same again. Never. It has changed our life so for the better. And we'll never be the same. I want to go back. I really, and I hope many people will. Um, This was the day I did the um, conference, and it's funny. It was pouring rain that morning, and then you got a little bit came, and then as the day go by, you look at the pictures, and more came, and then later on, everybody was there, and 10 more. (laughs) But um, these people traveled 50, 60 miles, by taxi, by bus, and um, to hear, here they come to this church, and they want to, be, they want to be in church every day if they can. They have a hunger for the word. They're never tired. They they stay there all day, and then they, I guess they had some other fellowship. I'm not sure, but. Um, they asked questions about five o'clock. I said to Helena, maybe we need to stop. I'm tired. Because they did not want to stop. And they know the word, and they ask a lot of great questions. The first question someone asked me, who did Cain marry? I says, what, are you testing me here? And they started to laugh. But they had great questions. Great woman, they came up to me and hugged me and spoke to me in Hindi, and I had no clue what they said. But it was wonderful. It was wonderful. So we have so many different pictures, but uh, we're going to try to get through this. So um, this was the New Life Center that Sam already told us about. These are some of the other kids that we got to meet with. And, uh, you know, they, they, they sleep in these steel cots with, you know, they have a mattress and whatnot. But as Sam said, there's no central heat. So they actually get snow in this town in the wintertime. I don't know what they do in the wintertime. I mean, it was, it was uh, cool, cold when we were there. And the kids just bundle up, and it doesn't seem to affect them. I mean, they're happier there than they would be on the street for sure. Um, you know, I think next time we go back, I'd like to spend, you know, more time with the, the boys. We had very lim- limited uh, interaction with the boys just because we were kind of focused on trying to get to know Pooja and, and Ranjana. And uh, it was uh, the one night when we gave uh, the, the two girls their gifts, and um, uh, we had it, have them holding a picture of Sam and, and uh, uh, Peggy. They, they, they gave them some gifts, so we took those over there. They loved the, the Sunday school cards that the kids made them. They were really uh, pleased with that. But we were sitting there on the couch in Helena's living room, and we were talking. And Ranjana just seemed kind of closed in, you know, kind of uh, Pooja's more outgoing and, and whatnot. And uh, so we asked her, you know, tell us a little bit about, do you remember your mom and dad? And her dad, uh, her mom died uh, at an early age, and then her dad died. He had TB. And it was actually through the, uh, the uh, Herbert Poor Hospital. I believe that he went there and and they didn't know what to do with these two kids and they ended up here because they're all connected somehow. Um, But the interesting thing was that uh, uh, she started to cry a little. Or Actually, I said, you know, tell Ranjana that I lost my my mom when I was three and my dad when I was seven. And and, uh, 
immediately she just kind of connected with that. And uh, she started to kind of weep. And uh, from that kind of point on, she really seemed a little more open with us, a little more trusting, and uh, smiled a lot more. And uh, uh, Helena said that she, she thought she was doing uh, uh, very, very well. Um, so that's, that's uh, I don't know where mine are, but anyway, that's the, uh, I had a couple other ones that I want to show you. But, uh, you know, the, the thing that I, I wanted to, to, to just leave with you before Sam comes up and closes is, is basically uh, the idea that, um, you know, when we went over there, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't. You know, you go on YouTube and you look at videos and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I can't thank Sam enough for having the vision to really uh, see what an impact that would have on us. Um, it's, it's really hard to relate uh, everything that you experienced over there, but the one thing that was, was so neat is to see these people, it didn't matter what their age were, it didn't matter what their background was, it didn't even matter what language they spoke because they all spoke different languages at times. Um, but the, the common bond that we had in Christ... And that was just such a neat, neat thing to see people so far away in such a foreign country and um, with different belief systems. And yet, when Christ changes the human heart, uh, he, he really does that. He transforms us. Can you get my Bible? And uh, I just think that it's, it, was, it was neat to see that, 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 that the gospel uh, goes across those kind of boundaries. And before Sam comes up and just closes, I just want to read a portion out of uh, Colossians. Um, this was kind of a different Sunday, but uh, Colossians chapter 2. Um, and uh, I, I just want you to be, be, be really prayerful about maybe your future involvement in um, the opportunity to, to get involved in missions, whether it's going to India or, or helping out up in Washington with, with the American Indian tribe up there, whatever it might be, I guarantee you that if you do it, it will, it will, it will change your perspective on life. I, I just want to read out of Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of a full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may, be, may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of dwell, a deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. 
And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And then down at verse 20, if, the Christ, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the word, why, world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom and promoting of self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value to stopping the indulgence of the flesh. One thing we were able to do on our trip to the Taj Mahal was um, in this little shop show the gospel with about uh, 12, 12 individuals. They were Roman Catholic. One was Roman Catholic. His name was Stephen, so we kind of hit it off. Um, and uh, one was Sikh, Muslim, or Hindu. Um, and, and it was interesting that when we shared the gospel with them, uh, the one who was Muslim, I asked him, I said, you know, what do you have to do to please your God? So oh, we, we pray. We pray five times a day, and we, we do this and we do that. I said, so you do that? Oh, well, no, I have to work. And I said, well, doesn't that make your God angry? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, he, he kind of see it. And, and I, I, I used the whole do, done illustration that you've heard, you know, Christianity is, is what was done on, on your behalf by Christ. It's not based on what you do. And uh, it, it was really a neat time of, of sharing. And God just opened up little doors like that, little little windows that we could share the gospel at different times. But it was a real blessing. And uh, we just want to uh, thank you as a church for praying for us. Uh, the, the trip was really without incident. Um, you know, usually you go over there and sometimes you get sick or something happens. And uh, the way they drive, uh, we'll be showing you some video, not, not today, but uh, I, I'm putting together a little slide thing, maybe next Sunday after church. I'll, uh, make it available to you, but um, it, it's it's just amazing that you come back alive uh, the way they drive over there. So, Sam, come on up and you can close this off. So I must say, I, f- I forgot to mention, I was very nervous going on this trip, how especially Steve would do on the trip. We know he likes his, you know, showers and he likes to be in control when he's driving and like he said, people drive like crazy. You just have to close your eyes and go with the ride and... Uh, Micah was not in a car seat for two weeks. He was happily sitting, bouncing around the car. So anyway, uh, um, but, you know, but uh, both of them did really great. And, you know, you, you do see a lot of, um, you know, poverty. And you see, um, you know, some of those parts of the city, like things, places they went to were not necessarily clean. But Ambika mentioned, you know, God just made them blind to seeing a lot of that and uh, took that away. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Um, so the last thing I wanted to share about was, you know, when you see all these needs and you, it, it, it's sort of overwhelming to see a lot of this stuff, uh, the question always is, you know, how can I get involved or how can I get more involved? And um, we are not necessarily committing to all these things, but, you know, certainly we can pray for the, some of the people that we have met. Uh, for example, New Life Center, there's a newsletter you can sign up for, and we have, I think, the, there are brochures in the bulletin. You, you must have got one. Um, as far as, uh, you know, supporting, there, there's so much you can do. Um, the most basic thing as individuals or as a family you can do is, you know, start sponsoring one of these kids in the home. 
Like I mentioned, many of them have lost sponsorship. Uh, only It's only you know, $50 a month. It takes care of everything for them, their, their education, their home, their clothing, their food. Um, you know, that's like you know, a cup of coffee a day for most of us. Uh, or if, if we go out as a family, a meal that we eat out at, it takes care of one child. So you don't know how far that goes uh, for one of these kids. And we talked about you know, special projects, uh, the $50 a month takes care of their basic needs. But when it comes to Christmas time, they want to get all the kids a new set of clothes or shoes. There are opportunities at you know, different times of the year to help them with those kind of things. The pastors, like we said, they don't make very much. Maybe you know, um, Christmas time or other times giving them a small gift, even if it is you know, just a very small gift. Um, there are other projects, whether it's education. Some of these kids, when they graduate from high school, want to go to seminary or they want to get a vocational degree like nursing, um, you know, helping with those kind of projects. And then you have the big capital projects. You have, you know, they have requirements for things like buses. Uh, their playground was a mess. Like when I heard Micah was playing that, I just went and pulled him out. You know, there's jagged metal everywhere and just not a safe place. And uh, it kind of made me cringe. Yeah. And he ripped his pants is what he's saying. Um, <laughs> You know, DOM updates, those, the DOM pictures, uh, you, you look at it and you, 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 you immediately think of, you know, how you can help update that. Um, and then the other project we talked about was, you know, these are long-term projects where churches in the U.S. help uh, build the church, some small churches. So as these house churches grow and they run out of space, they eventually need um, to build a little community center where they can start meeting and, and, and uh, worshiping. So, you know, those are long-term projects that churches here in the U.S. get involved with. Um, and then the next thing is really to go there. Uh, see for yourself. It's very hard in, you know, an hour to describe all of this. And, uh, you know, I took a lot of time to try and uh, describe to them things they would see. I sent them links, but I think it doesn't hit you till you, till you go there. So, um, you know, we talked about next time sending a bigger team, maybe a team of five to ten people, a few men who can teach, maybe do a two-day pastor's conference. And, you know, they love the teaching. They ask for Steve's notes, uh, many of his illustrations, the done-and-do thing, um, the pastor being a waiter, not a cook. There are several illustrations were just insightful for them. They've never heard of these things. Um, so we talked about potentially, like, getting more of their pastors down for a two-day conference where several of the men here can teach. And then the next day, split up and go to some of these rural churches and you know, teach at each of the churches. Um, uh, the ladies, like Ambika said, you know, uh, meet with them, get to know them, women's conference. And then those of you who are interested in medical missions, this hospital is very close to this location. So you can either go and visit for a short while or uh, volunteer for you know, weeks or months with them. There, those opportunities exist as well. So like I said, you know, it's, it's overwhelming to come back. You see all these things. You have a range of emotions to deal with. What can I do? And we took this picture of this sign in, in that Herbert Poor Hospital, which talks about, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And really, you know, um, it's up to each of us to pray and to be led what we should be doing, even if it's just one thing, just, you know, just do it. Um, the last picture I wanted to share, Steve took this when we were landing in SFO, a great picture of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, and the bridge, the hardest part sometimes with you know, connecting with these missionaries in these different countries is to connect with them and build a trust. Um, and, and 
it's on both sides. Many of these people uh, we were able to meet because of existing relationships. They won't just open up their doors to any church coming from here either, um, just as we won't do, do so here. Um, but now the, you know, the bridge has been established. There is trust on both sides with many of these people. You know each other face to face. You know the people. And uh, really the opportunity is there now to cross the bridge and do what, you know, what we can as, as families and as a church. And, um, you know, I was thinking back on the way back, you know, whether our trip has been uh, successful or not. Um, There are several ways to measure, you know, missions trip and how successful it is. And one is just the things that we were able to do and the number of people we were able to talk to and meet with. And um, that all aside, you know, ultimately it's about uh, the relationships that we were able to build. Like Steve and Ambika were able to, to, to get to know some of these people. And the other big, I think, criteria is uh, the way it changes you. It doesn't matter what we did there in two weeks. We didn't do much, I mean, in spite of the long list of meetings and things like that. Um, but if, if it, a trip like this can change you, and those of you who have been on trips before, you know what I'm talking about. If it changes the way you see your life and your you know, ministry here and around the world, then it's successful. So I think definitely based on those criteria, I think... You know, God bless the trip, and we got more than we could ever ask or imagine out of this trip. So I just wanted to pray, praise God for that. And um, um, this is our last picture here. It's a picture of our flight path coming over the pole. We flew over the North Pole. Um, uh, and really, that verse, you know, was sort of the theme for me personally. It was just to go to the nations and see how God is working, and I think we were able to get a small glimpse of that. So we thank God and praise God for that. And like Steve said, you know, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for those of you who were able to um, give towards them being able to go on this trip. Um, you know, they said to me multiple times, it was totally worth it. The time, the, the resources, um, the effort that they took to go, uh, they were truly blessed. And hopefully, um, I think the biggest reminder to me personally, was, you know, how blessed we are as families and as a church. And uh, it was just a reminder that God has blessed us in order for us to be a blessing to, to those who are less fortunate than us. So if that's one thing I can take away from the trip, that would be it. Uh, so thank you again. And uh, um, if you have other questions, please, please talk to us. Let's close in a word of prayer, and then we'll have a, a, a song. Father, we thank you for all that we've heard and, and uh, experienced. And, Lord, we, we thank you for your grace and, and allowing uh, and Beacon, I, and Sam, and Micah to go on this, this trip. And, and, Lord, we ask that you would just uh, continue to remind us of all that we've experienced and how blessed we are here in this, in this place. Lord, help us not to forget those faces and those individuals that we um, uh, met and were able to uh, minister to. And so, Father, we just pray that you would uh, uh, just uh, speak to our hearts, uh, continue to allow our church to rally behind the cause of missions. And uh, we just pray that you would uh, do your work uh, in and through uh, your people And, Lord, we do pray for these uh, orphans over in India. We pray that you would uh, just continue to um, uh, 
uh, speak to their hearts and, and build them up in their faith. And, and Lord, I pray that you would affect change in their, in their families as well. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.